You're listening to a message from Spindle City Vineyard. Connect with us or find out more at spindlecityvineyard.com. But today I'm actually going to just riff off of Joe from last week, and he was talking about how we partner with the Holy Spirit, which is a value in the vineyard. We love the Lord, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and we believe that God gave us his helper so that we would be able to actually live and breathe and move in this crazy, chaotic, insane world that we live in. And so partnering with the Holy Spirit is a lot like learning how to make friends with somebody that you've just met. I mean, how many of you, when you meet a new friend, you like give them your social security code and you invite them to live in your house with you? Just me? Sometimes. Sometimes. Most of us, I would say, there is a build. What does it look like for you to build a relationship with a friend? How do you do that? We talk. I'm like, none of us make friends anymore. Okay. (laughs) We spend time together. Yes. Have them over for coffee. I heard somebody in the middle. We have fun together. Yeah, you, you do normal relationship things so that you can begin to know the person. And the more that you know them, you decide, hey, is this somebody that I want to like invest myself in? And really, is this somebody that I can trust? And when trust is present, intimacy begins to build. When they, you know you can trust them with your heart or your dreams or your fears, the things that are most important to you, when you begin to share those with another person and they share them with you, intimacy builds. And partnering with the Holy Spirit is actually really no different. Most of us come to faith and, and our trust in God is baseline. You know, you're just getting to know him. And you may have like a really cool story of how you got into relationship with Jesus. But the reality is for most of us, building trust with God takes time. He shows himself faithful over and over and over again. And as he does that, we begin to establish these really deep roots where we're like, okay, God, I remember, I'll share a really funny story. So when I, my first car I was gifted from my parents, which is, woo, privilege. I I acknowledge that. I was born in 1988. I got my great aunt's 1990 Chevy Lumina. We almost had the same age. Um, It was so old that the spoilers had long fallen off. I don't even know if they came on the car, if I'm being totally honest. Um, It had been handed down. I think I was like the third or fourth kid in the family to get it, but it had like 60,000 miles because no one drove it. It weighed more than my mom's minivan, and it was powder blue, and it fit, had bucket seats still. So I was, when I went to school, I was on a team, and I would squish as many of the girls on my team into that car, and it rode so low that it scraped the, um, yes, the speed bumps on our campus, because I was over at Shen. So anyway, long story short, I don't know where I was going with that. Oh, so God decided to, early on, I didn't have a lot of money, and that car was a hot mess. At one point, the sway bar links rusted out. If you don't know what that's like, it's like getting hydraulics for your car but not paying for them. So you would just be driving along the road and the back end of your car would just do this. And so I, I was like, I need to get this fixed, God. Um, and I worked, I did have jobs all through high school and stuff, but I just didn't have the money for that. And so I realized that the long and short of it was that this car was not really going to make it a long time. Probably super worthy of scrap. Probably could have gotten a lot. But Long and short of that was I remember saying, God, I can't even imagine how you could like give me a car. You know my situation. You know I don't have a lot of money. Like 
I have to work, I have to go to college, I'm living local, I'm not on a campus, like, I don't know what to do. And the funniest thing happened, I got a, one of those things in the mail before the pandemic, dealerships used to like try to get you to buy a car because they were desperate. So they'd send you a key in the mail on a thing and be like, oh, come t test this key at this car, see if it's yours. And I just remember getting it in the mail and thinking like, it wasn't so much that God was saying, oh, I gave you a car. I never went down to the dealership. It was, I can do whatever I want to take care of you. That was just, I remember holding it in the mail and thinking, if you wanted to give me a car, you could. And it just drove this trust factor into my heart. Like God is trustworthy with my life. And it kept building. That wasn't like the only thing. And I'm like, I go back to that every time. But I began to realize that the Holy Spirit, the Father, the Son, they're all trustworthy. And as I continue to live and breathe and struggle, I see that they continue to love me and be faithful and steady my life, even in the middle of chaos. And so this was not the introduction I wrote at all. We are riffing right now, which is fun. So let's see if the Lord connects us to where we were going. Um, but today, what I wanted to do was to kind of lean further into what Joe launched us off of last week, which was the story of a personal prayer language with God, and say, how do we learn to trust God and hear him so that we can give his heart away to the world? Sometimes the Lord wants to speak really powerfully in our life, often. But just as often, I think the Lord wants to speak really powerfully to us on behalf of the people around us. Um, so I'll just... Before we jump into how that happens, I want to give you just a minute to turn and talk to your neighbor. I know your body temperatures, you're like sitting down again, you're trying to cool off. But if you just want to slightly turn or text them, how did you apply or engage Joe's message from last week? And if you weren't here, don't worry, just share with your neighbor the highlight of your week, what was really cool. So take 30 seconds and do that. Abby, I want to do that too right now. Just lay down. <laughs> what I really want to do is go swimming. <laughs> you too? Are you going to Elkie's pool later? No. Someone else's? No pools today? Maybe? <laughs> yeah, everybody's highlight from the week was like, I found a body of water to get in. All right, guys. Well, as you're learning to engage with the Holy Spirit, it's messy, it's new. It's just like any friendship that you're kicking off. It takes a bit of time to get comfortable and connected to him. And so this morning, what we're going to do is how do we listen and hear the Holy Spirit so that we can partner with him to share his heart with the world? Because one of the coolest things that I love about Jesus is that for a long time, before we have our own personal encounter where we realize God loves us, it's really easy to believe that God doesn't even like us. And Jesus' primary message to the world is God sees you no matter how messed up you think your life is, and he is still here for you. And he came, I, Jesus came as God's love letter to the world to say, I am here to remind you that what you think you know about God, you don't. He is here for you. And so in John 15, 15, he says to us, I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. You are my friends since I have told you everything the father has told me. 
Jesus reminds us that, this, that God loves, because he loves us, he loves to talk to us. And he talks to us all the time. And what is he sharing? His heart. He's sharing his heart with us. He's sharing his desires. He's sharing his will. He's sharing his hopes. God loves to speak to us about the things that he wants to do to restore the world back to goodness. And so I just want you to think about, shout it out, how many times do we see God speak to humanity in the Bible? Regularly. Give us some examples. Think about things. Abraham. Adam and Eve. Moses. Paul, yeah, it's all blurring together. Noah, Jonah, Jonah. Malika, did you have one? Were you just yelling at me? Peter, yes, Esther, Jesus, (laughs) sorry, Jesus, David, (laughs) Samuel, all the prophets, which is like two-thirds of the Old Testament. God is constantly speaking to us because he loves us. He is constantly talking through his spirit and sometimes through angels and sometimes through dreams and sometimes through burning bushes to let us know his heart. God doesn't want us to wonder who he is. He wants us to know who he is and to be in connection. He is constantly emailing you, texting you, calling you because any good friend wants to be in connection with you. And so he says, hey, friends, I wanna talk. I want to hang out. Let's go do something together. Let's go hang out by this bush that's never going to burn. This probably wasn't the case. Let's go grab a coffee together. Like the Lord hungers to hang out with you because he loves you. You are his top priority every morning, which is impossible in my mind because there are billions of people. And yet you truly are, and I truly am, his top priority every single day. He wants to talk with us. And... He wants the whole world to know the goodness of his love. 2 Peter 3.9 tells us God wants everyone to repent. That's not a cue to me, Dan. That's just a you cue. Okay. I was like, am I supposed to do something with my shirt? I don't even know what that means. You're introducing new cues. Um, he desperately wants the world to know that. And so he loves to empower his church. And this is where one of the things that Joe was landing on last week is that one of the primary ways that God used to, I mean, he, oh, he can still use dreams. He can still use angels. He can still use bushes on fire. That happens all the time, I suppose. I don't know. He still uses lots of different mediums to talk. But one of the very unique things about the age that we live in today is that God loves to use his church as a primary means of his message on earth. And Joe was landing on this when he was talking through Acts. In Acts 1.8, he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And why does the Holy Spirit come upon us? Listen, you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. Why does the Holy Spirit come upon us in this passage? to tell people about the Lord. Why does the Holy Spirit come upon us? What is one of the primary reasons he is gifted to us? To, To tell people about the world, to tell people about Jesus. Like so often we want him for ourselves and yes, he is our helper and our comforter. But one of the primary reasons that we have the Holy Spirit is so we can continue to do what Jesus started, which is to tell the world that God is good and he loves them. 
And if we're not using the Holy Spirit, if we're not partnering with him, engaging with him, listening to him and doing that, then we have forgotten his purpose in our lives and we're selfish, right? If we're just like me, me, tell me what to do. Where do I go? How do I spend this money? Who do I marry? Like, that's great. And God wants to talk to you about that. But he also wants to talk through you to the world to share what you have received the goodness of his love, the greatness of his mercy, the fullness of his forgiveness. And if we don't give it away, then we become stagnant in our faith because we are denying one of the primary ways that God has called us to live and serve and move among the world. And one of the best ways, and this is where we're going to land the plane this morning and get practical, one of the best ways that the Holy Spirit can speak through us to others One of the best ways that he loves to to show the world that he loves them, especially people who don't know him at all, is through the gift of prayer, right? Where you are, we believe in the vineyard that whenever we pray, we pray with the same intentions that Jesus tells us in Matthew, where he says, pray that my father's will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. And what is God's will? Just shoot it out there. What, What does God want in the world? Love, relationships, kindness, justice, yes, justice, peace, unity, wholeness. God wants families reconnected. He wants lives put back together. He wants us to be agents who are partnering with the Holy Spirit to release his will on earth as it is in heaven. We get to partner with God in the best job that ever could exist freedom, mercy, compassion, empathy, people being put back together. And one of the ways that we do that, one of the most powerful ways that we get to do that is through prayer, where we come alongside another person, whether they know Jesus or not, and we bless them and we invite the kingdom to come in their life as it is in heaven. And we don't even always know what God's going to do when he does it, but we simply know that if we show up and ask for God's will to be done in someone's life, He's going to do something. We don't always know what it is. Even if they just feel profoundly loved, but nothing else changes, they feel profoundly loved, which is life-changing for us to know that we are not overlooked, but we are seen by God. And so in the vineyard, we encourage people to basically practice a very simple model of prayer. It's not like there's anything magical or special. This isn't an incantation. It's simply a process especially if you're new with praying for other people, that'll really help you to tune in predominantly to the Holy Spirit while you're praying. Because it's very easy for us to be like, oh, you need prayer? Sure. And just like to kind of do it in our own strength and power, right? How many of us have done that? Someone's like, oh, I need prayer. And we're like, yeah, okay, I'll just pray for that. There's nothing inherently wrong with that. But what if there were a way when we prayed that we could invite the Holy Spirit to come and release God's will while we're sitting there praying for someone? Like, I want spirit-empowered prayer, right? I want spirit-empowered living. I want spirit-empowered prayer. So our kids, Killian and Bo and Nora and Kasana, I can see you. You're not hiding behind that lamp. Our kids have been practicing the five-step prayer model upstairs, and I'm hoping you guys are going to help me out this morning to teach your parents and the adults. Do you guys think you can help me out? I'm getting, like, big-eyed maybes back. Killian, can you help me out? You're smiling. Nora, I bet you can help me out. All right. Does any, do any of our kids remember when we pray for someone, what's the first thing we do? Yes, Nora. You can just 
Shout it out. Ask. Yes. This is so good. Jesus is known for doing this. In Matthew 20, 32, when Jesus heard them, he stopped and called, what do you want me to do for you? It's really easy for us to know a little bit about something, someone, or like see someone on the street who's maybe sleeping rough or is in crutches and be like, oh God, clearly they need healing or they need a house or they need a break or whatever. But by doing that, we are just robbing their humanity from them. When we go and we ask somebody, hey, if Jesus could do a miracle in your life, what would it be? Or hey, can I pray for you? What, what would you like me to pray for? And we let them answer The thing that drew us to them might not be the deepest need of their heart. Maybe they have a broken marriage or a broken relationship with a child or they're struggling with something or their finances are a wreck. By asking them what they want prayer for or asking them if Jesus could do something in your life, what would it be? We are helping them to just connect with the bigness and the goodness of the Father for them in that moment. So two good things. You can just be like, hey, how can I pray for you? That's a great start. Um, One of the ones Bo and I just practiced this last night. Remember, if Jesus could do anything in your life, what would he do? Do you remember what I asked you? No. Okay, that's fine. He's sort of a half in, half out model. I get that. That's okay. Um, But it's just an opportunity to let people think about the deepest longings of their heart and connect that with the fact that God loves them in that place. Even if it's crazy, even if in our mind somebody's like, well, I just really want a million dollars. You're like, all right, I'm not going to judge that. I will pray. I don't know what God will do, but I'll pray that. Um, Bo wanted a car, so we prayed. <laughs> I was like, I don't know why you even need one, but it's okay. So after you ask them, what's step number two, guys? Invite. Way to go, Hannah. Yes, invite. Who are we inviting? The Holy Spirit. You're like, I'm going to hold on. I'm going to call my auntie. <laughs> Or I got to call my pastor. Please don't call me. Um, no, you can. It's fine. I'll, I'll pray with you on the phone, I suppose. Um, speaker me in. But you're inviting the Holy Spirit, right? Spirit-empowered prayer requires us to say, hey, I could just jump into this thing, but I'm going to ask him to come. I'm going to give you a tip. If you're out in public and you're praying with someone and you don't even know if they're a Christian, don't make this part super weird. Don't be like, shit about a Honda, shit about a Kia, ba-da-da-da. Like, please just in your own heart be like, hey, Holy Spirit, I really want this person to experience you, so will you come? Just do that. You don't have to say it out loud. You can say it in the, in the quiet of your own relationship with the Lord. But the idea is that you're not trying to weird people out. It's already, um, God is already mysterious, and he wants to become accessible through Christ and accessible through us. So again, keep your eyes open. Invite the Holy Spirit. Don't be weird about it. Weird about it and wait Not a really long time. If you're like, Holy Spirit, it's been 30 minutes and the person's like really trying to get away from you, like let him go. But just in the next 10, 15 seconds, just watch their countenance. When the Holy Spirit comes, he's often very subtle. Do they take a deep breath? The Holy Spirit is the breath of God. That's a sign that the Spirit is moving on someone. Almost imperceivable. Are their eyelids maybe moving? Are they, is there a glow to them? Are they now sweating really crazy? And you're like, no, it's just 90 out. It's Brittany. That's what it is. It's not the Holy Spirit. But wait and watch and listen. As you're waiting on the Holy Spirit, what is he saying to you? He might give you a very clear thing to pray. 
but you're not gonna know if you just dive right in. And so this is the most important of the steps as far as I'm concerned, because this is where your prayers elevate from just you wanting to love someone to you being a conduit for God to be loved by someone. So you ask, you invite, and then guys, what do we do, kids, after we invite the Holy Spirit? Do we just like run away? Yeah, Nora. <laughs> after we ask them what they want prayer for and we invite them, what's step number three, Boaz and Nora and Abby and Hannah? Hannah, she's got me. Pray. And how are you gonna pray your longest, weirdest prayer? Yes. All right, y'all. Street ministry is not for you. No. <laughs> you're going to pray short, simple command prayers, right? If you're praying for healing, you're not like, God, I hope you want to heal this person's broken body because then they're going to be like, does God even care? In the name of Jesus, leg be healed, arm be healed, migraine go away. Short, simple command prayers, just like Jesus prayed. Pain, go you don't need to be a physician. You're not trying to like diagnose all the craziness. You're just speaking to the thing that is bothering this person the most and commanding it to leave. If they give you a general prayer like, hey, pray for my son, maybe you get a prophetic word or you do something, you listen and you only give what God puts on your heart. Don't fill in all your feelings. You might be feeling yourself if they're crying. You only want to deliver what God puts on your heart because that is his power and then you stop. After step number three, you've prayed. What do we do next? You're like, I run away because I feel awkward. <laughs> check. Yes, Abby. You check in. This is probably the most awkward of all the steps if you've gotten this far. Because what you're going to do is say, hey, is God doing anything? Do you feel something? Did that word I gave you make sense? Should I pray some more? If, if you like praying for physical healing, does it feel any better? Um, and we can feel uncomfortable because we're like, oh, God, I don't know. Like, I don't want to feel like I didn't do it right. But even Jesus did this. In Mark 8, to 25, he goes to pray for a blind man. He prays for them and he, he prays for the man. And then he says, hey, can you see any better? And he's like, yeah, I think I see people, but they look like trees. And Jesus is like, oh, that's good. That's like 2020. No, he says, oh, well, then I'm going to pray again. And so he does pray again until the eyesight is restored to 2020. So for us to pause and check in, it's not a lack of faith. It's simply saying, what's God doing? And how do I keep partnering with him as I pray? So you might have to go back to steps two and three. Ask some more, listen some more, pray some more. And then how do you wrap it up, kids? How do we land the plane? Nora. Make a plan, yes. I just called it follow-up for the adults because I thought they might catch that one better. Follow-up. So, like, you can usually tell when a prayer session's done because, like, the Holy Spirit's not really moving anymore or you don't have anything left to say or the person is done. And we always respect the person we're praying for. You may have 100 hours more prayer. If that person is done and they have clearly indicated that, you respect their per the person. And you're like, okay, bless you, right? We're not here to dominate people. We're here to love people. Um, so when you're done, just let it be done, bless them, and then try and follow up. If you're praying with a stranger, that might not happen. But if you're praying with someone here in the family, when you come in next week or you see them midweek at, at a barbecue or a pool party, hey, how's your migraine? Hey, how's your finances? Like, just continue in the intimacy of that moment. And if there's an opportunity to pray again, do it. 